silly does this look when you don't have hair? <laughs> you look like a like a you're trying to be Joe Rogan. Oh Jesus. <laughs> so that's who I'm We're gonna edit in tattoo sleeves and just <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. You doing all right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry for the whole back and forth and everything. Uh, if Jet Tatum and Matt Harris are involved, it's not going to be <laughs> when it's going to be. Yeah. Well, hopefully he'll come still. Just I'm try sure and get this like a fist away. A fist away from mouth. One, two, three. Yeah, that's good. Good? That's good. Yeah. Cool. Comfortable? Can you no. sit like that? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, never, but I'll get there. I haven't been comfortable since the eighth grade. <laughs> and that was only for a couple of days. I won't cringe you with a intro. I'll do that later. <laughs> but I think I'm post cringe at this point. <laughs> I did want to talk about since we were already kind of talking about it, the stuff you started before you started comedy. Is this it? Are we on? Yeah, yeah. Is this it? Yeah. This is happening. Yeah. We're in it. Yeah. This All is right. There's no big deal. It's I had no idea. <laughs> it's just talking. All of a sudden you're in the deep end. You're just waiting around. In the pool. Yeah. Now we're in. Yeah, yeah. It's just a full cannonball. So before they were listening, we were talking yeah. about the social experiments you did. Social experiments. Or yeah, pranks. I did a bunch of pranks, stunts, things on the um you know, uh on the street that wound up on the internet. So like um I guess one of the first ones was uh uh me and a friend of mine named Hunter Fine. We created a well, we lived in the Lower East Side in the East Village of New York City, which was getting overrun with hipsters. Uh, and which was a part, a particular type of gentrification that was happening in yeah. the area. Uh, when white people start complaining about gentrification, it's it's hit peak gentrification. <laughs> and so we created uh, hipster traps. These were like bear traps that were baited with things that hipsters found irresistible, like uh, uh, like a uh, uh, American spirit cigarettes and a fixie bike chain and you know um, uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. And uh, we chain these all around public spaces in New York City. The bear traps were made out of cardboard, but I worked with this artist that I found on Craigslist. <laughs> uh, they looked incredibly realistic. And so we just, you know, put them around the city. And uh, I remember the first time we put one out, uh, we we chained it on like Avenue, Avenue A and like 7th Street. We chained it up and then like we walked away and walked back to see what people's reactions were. And there was this one guy that kept like walking back and forth and like looking at it. And he had seen us put it out. And then he came up to us and he's like, uh, is that yours? And we're like, well, it belongs to the street now. And he's like, is it a hipster trap? And that's exactly what it was. And we were, we were psyched because like up until then, hipster traps were just like a folder on our desktop. Yeah. The fact that someone could look at it and immediately know what it was. We're like, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> and he goes, wait, is it an ad? I'm like, no, no, it's just art. He's like, can I take a picture of it? And we're like, yeah, sure. So he takes a picture. He gives us his, his email address. We give him And ads. you weren't. Like, y'all weren't posting these. Y'all were Well, no, this is the first time we had done it. So this we had just put it out. It's probably now 20 minutes since we've put it out. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, he asks if he could take a picture. He does. We exchange email addresses. And then me, Hunter, and I, we go back to my place. This is dating how old this project is. But, like, we went on. T we're like, we should probably create a Tumblr <laughs> so that we could. Do you even know what Tumblr is? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we could. I had a MySpace. Oh, so you know. All yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so we were like, let's let's create a Tumblr page so we can like house these images. And by that point, we got an email from the guy who took the picture on the street. He's like, hey, man, I really like your hipster traps. The internet likes it too. And he had put it on Reddit and it already had like 250,000 views. And this Damn. was just a few hours later. Damn. And by the next day, it had like a million views. And then it wound up like in the newspapers and stuff. And then we did other versions of it. 
And then that led to like, you know, other projects that I did on the streets of New York City, which then kind of got a lot of viral attention on the internet. My favorite one that you, well, I have two favorite ones. Awesome. My favorite one is the the subway one. Oh yeah. Where yeah. it was like what was the original ad? So there's a there was a an outdoor campaign in New York City called If You See Something, Say Something. Right, right. And it was to prevent <laughs> terrorism, supposedly. And so the the ads in the subways were all they all looked a very particular way. They were bright yellow and they had a photograph of someone in New York City who had called the authorities to alert them to something that was right. unusual. And they had, you know, quotes, something like, you know, I don't have the exact words, but it was like, Oh, I knew to report that unattended package. It's really important that we all look out for each other. Right, right. And then there was like a cop who was like, you know, uh, you know, uh uh my canine partner and I perform an important duty. We're always looking to see if people have unusual behavior. You know, it's all this kind of yeah. stuff about spy on your neighbors, <laughs> you know, be vigilant about people around you, which, you know, I'm not denying that's not a good message. But, you know, I was thinking, well, if the whole idea is to stop terrorism and if the whole idea is if you see something, say something, maybe we could get people to consider it like, hey, if you see your government acting in a way that's destabilizing society maybe you should say something right so i i had a design i wrote a bunch of new quotes and just had a designer make them look exactly like the ones that were there and i had them printed at the same exact size and i worked with a bunch of friends who knew how to take those subway ads out and we put our real our fake subway ads in and so they said things like um you know, I know it's important to, you know, uh, uh, to re the only thing that scares me more than an unattended package is an unattended politician. <laughs> we have to be aware of how our representatives vote and hold them accountable. You know, uh, one of them that I didn't I didn't put out was like, uh, you know, yes, it's important if you if you see something, say something. But what about what you can't see, like a odorless, colorless gas that could be filling this train car right now? <laughs> no, but I didn't. But then I I. <laughs> But then I was like, oh, you know what? They can't just be funny. They have to be about trying to get you to understand. Like one of yeah. them was, um, uh, sure, you know, uh, uh, I feel good that I reported that suspicious activity. But, you know, why didn't I speak up when I saw my government destabilizing the Middle East, which is what created this terrorism in the first place? So the idea of like thinking larger than just what's right. around you. And so, but because the ads looked so real, you know, uh, they didn't get noticed for a while yeah. and then they did get noticed and people started like putting them on Instagram and taking pictures of them and they wound up in the newspaper. And then, then the story became like, how are these still up now f six months later on the subway train? So it became like an are Easter Are any of them still up? No, not now. Uh, now they're all gone. And one of us so in our great. team got arrested putting them up. It'd be so great if there was just like the yeah. last one. That would be great. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, hopefully, you know, whoever has it enjoys it, you know. Someone got arrested putting them up? Yeah, one of us. Uh, but we had a deal that if any one of us gets arrested, yeah. we all have to walk away. We cannot, oh. helping each other gets us only all arrested. Oh, okay. And I have a really good lawyer, and <laughs> we were all out. So, you know. The other favorite of mine is, and it's a bit more silly, but it's just the line down oh, the yeah, sidewalk so, where it's tourists and locals. Isn't that what it is? It's tourists and New Yorkers. New Yorkers, yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it's famously hard to walk down the streets of New York City. Right with all the people who live there and then all the tourists. But tourists certainly walk at a very different pace than New Yorkers. So I was, you know, getting frustrated with having to get to where I'm going in a pedestrian city. And I'm like, someone should make, you know, lanes, one for us and one for them. And a lot of times, you know, if I, if I ever hear myself saying somebody should, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm the somebody. I could do this. <laughs> yeah. So I bought one of these, like, line makers that they use for football fields to, yeah, yeah. to do the markers. And I just painted 
a line down the length of the entire sidewalk, and then I'd go back and stencil at the beginning of each lane. How did you, went for how did you like? Because the subway thing, I get like there's times where the trains aren't running, you can go swap the yeah. signs out. How did you <laughs> time out a sidewalk in New York to not have any people to be able to roll something like at three in the morning? And there's no one there, or yeah, there's no one there. I mean, so I started doing them in the Lower East Side in the East Village where I lived, which is not like it's not Times Square. Yeah, and so you know, it's funny because I, I started doing them and I didn't really like the way the lines looked. I was trying to perfect it, but people were already taking pictures of it. And this is kind of probably before Instagram, certainly before Instagram, but maybe Facebook was around. But it was getting on blogs and people were already taking pictures of it. Right. It was getting kind of known. But there's a group in New York City called Improv Everywhere. And they uh, do large-scale theater kind of events on the streets of New York City. And I know the guy who runs it. And he really liked, he saw the, you know, that the tourist lanes were happening. Yeah. And he's like, well, wouldn't it be cool to kind of enforce these lanes? And so he, with, because he had a team, I was able to go to Fifth Avenue, which does have people on the streets. But he augmented it with like getting people with orange jackets to move people, to oh, make it look awesome. like we were from the city. City workers. Yeah. <laughs> and we found a moment where it was like not that busy. We had, you know, lookouts and be like, okay, now, now, now. And then, you know, I would walk and then there would be two people walking with me with orange jackets and we had cones and stuff or whatever. <laughs> so when you're doing it in a more, you know, congested area, you do need a team. Right. But when I started, it was just me going out at three in the just morning. Yeah, it. just rolling That's it. Hilarious. I put my groceries and on top of it so it looked like I was just pushing groceries. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and were you posting these yourself? Like There was no line? place to post yet, really. I right. mean, I'm trying to remember what year. I mean, this is, this is, if Facebook was around, it was not what it is. Like, there wasn't, there wasn't a feed. Yeah. There was just your wall. So you really couldn't go viral on Facebook. Right. Um, but that one, just people started taking pictures what of it. What about like Reddit? Yeah, those Reddit, Reddit, Reddit was around. Yeah, so but like like the hipster traps and the and the uh, the tourist lanes happened around the same time. So hipster traps took off, but the 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 tourist lanes hit such a nerve with so many people that it wound up on page two of the Post, page two of the Daily News, That's awesome. New York One. So it was already in mainstream news. Um, so yeah, like I didn't even it didn't even really utilize social media. Is that how like you got? started working in like a buzzfeed and those kinds of places or were you already doing that line of work yeah well i i started you know i worked in advertising for and i still do sometimes for a very long time and advertising you know well it teaches you to come up with ideas really quickly and unfortunately right. teaches you to throw those ideas away very quickly because the good ideas usually never get moved forward because there's a bunch of committees that have to decide yeah but i was already kind of in this habit of developing ideas all the time and um you know, a lot of people who work in advertising will tell you, like, it's frustrating not seeing your ideas get out into the world. So I just started putting these ideas out into the world, which got, you know, it got me to the attention of the team at Facebook of, like, how would you, what kind of things could you do to create impact and get a lot of attention without having to do traditional advertising? So that's how I got. And, but by the time I got noticed by Facebook, I those projects had evolved out of just being comedic and to becoming... Uh, you know, more political or right, more action oriented. Right. right. What made you uh, want to leave Facebook? Yeah. Uh, going to BuzzFeed. I mean, Facebook yeah. was great. I I wasn't aware of a lot of the. I'm trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> no one's watching. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, then illegal uh, things that they were doing. I mean, if nobody's watching, sure. I mean, um. Oh, dude. 
you're trying to be diplomatic about one of the most like the biggest corporations yeah. right now. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, well, anyway, they're doing all right. You're not going to bring them down. <laughs> no. Hey, don't underestimate <laughs> the Jet. You don't. Under, you don't. By all means, if you want to, I'm know, down to do join. Do you know the power of an love, angry Jew? Do you know <laughs> I would love to join and take down Facebook. That would be great. Um, what made me leave? Well, Facebook was great. They treated you. They treated me amazingly. I've, yeah. I mean, I've never, I've never experienced anything like that. I mean, um, and it was weird seeing people whose job that was their first job. Like there were a bunch of nineteen-year-olds, and like I, I overheard a couple of them complain, like, oh, "The scooters here are all broken." Like at, at Google, like everything works. I'm like, I just want to take them by the neck and just be like, you know, you don't like that your toys are broken. Like <laughs> this is, you know, but like, yeah, it's great. They pick you up and they shuttle you to work and they give you breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And there's a yeah. gym and an ergonomic expert to make sure you're sitting and standing the right way. And you're on a campus with great restaurants and you know. Uh, it's kind of, it's a very, you know, humane way to work. Um, but it became pretty clear pretty quickly after getting there that the stuff that I, like, the team that I was on, it, it was kind of like to create a lot of disruptive thinking to show Facebook what could be done, but none of it was going to get done. And Jonah Peretti, who runs um, BuzzFeed, he and I knew each other because he also started by creating a lot of uh social experiments that went viral way before any, I mean, he started the Huffington Post and or he oh, was right. one of the founders or one of the lead guys at the Huffington Post and he created BuzzFeed. And his pitch to me was, you know, well, he was trying to convince me to go there because they were in the world of creating viral attention. Right. And, um, but Facebook was going to make me a millionaire if I had stayed. You know, you have to stay four years to get whatever your stock is worth. Damn. Uh, and I had only been there a year at that point, but Jonah's pitch was, you'll make stuff all the time and you'll make money. I'm not going to give you the stock that Facebook has, but you'll make a lot of money. You'll make a lot of cool shit and you can hire two of your best friends. Cause my two friends who I did a lot of these projects with, they were like, we were like a crew and we had done a lot of work together and I was able to bring them on. And then when I got to Buzzfeed, it, it was not what was in the brochure and I got fired in like, I think six months. Oh, damn. That sucks. What did you do after BuzzFeed? Straight into... Uh, cried <laughs> for a couple of years. Uh, uh, I just freelanced um, yeah. with people I knew from the ad world. And, and while, like, how long after you were at BuzzFeed or were you already thinking about doing comedy at BuzzFeed? Oh, I had no intention of no doing intention. comedy. So I mean, I had long? done improv comedy. Okay. I studied with the Upright Citizens Brigade back when it was Amy Poehler and Ian... Uh, um, Ian, uh, um, oh shit, I can't remember Ian's last name. That sucks. Matt Walsh, Matt Besser, Ian. Uh, not Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire. No, not Matt Walsh. <laughs> Matt Walsh from Veep. Ian Roberts, uh, Amy Poehler, all those guys. Uh, but no intention of doing stand-up at all. It was probably, I guess, uh, three years after BuzzFeed that I started right. stand-up. Yeah, 2016. So you were just freelancing and you were like, yep. I'm going to try stand-up? Uh I I don't know how often it happens, but I, I've encountered severe bouts of depression that are uh, borderline debilitating, <laughs> and this was one of those times. And so I was seeing a doctor, and I was working with some medications, and I had this idea also if I, if I took some classes in things that were foreign to me, I could maybe 
jumpstart parts of my brain that weren't really activated. So I took a class in Spanish. I took a class. I mean, multi, like I signed up for a series right. of classes for Spanish, jujitsu, and someone had given me a free stand-up class. Oh. So I took the stand-up class. And um, I got my windpipe crushed in jujitsu. I still can't even ask where the library is in Spanish. <laughs> uh, but I've been doing stand-up every day since that class. <laughs> Spit take from, from Jet Tatum. That was one of the worst head takes I've ever seen. It's like the only... It was like a drool take. Oh, no. <laughs> fucking splattered all over myself. That's like the only sentence anyone ever learned. Yeah, I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Wait, is it donde esta la biblioteca? La biblioteca. La biblioteca? Yeah. I did it? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yay. <laughs> so you that were... cost $800, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> to stutter through where yeah. is the library. Yeah, so I could speak Spanish the way Nate speaks English. Yeah, basically <laughs> the way you just said that was where is... The library. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But you started in New York. Mm -hmm. Damn. Like, yeah. first Very hard. open mic in New York City. Yeah. What was that like? Where was it? I mean, like, I want details. Okay. Well, there was the class. So the class was like a really safe environment. Okay. You yeah, know? Yeah. But, and it was funny because they, it's really funny looking back because I remember the teacher was in, the guy who ran the school was like, people are going to tell you to go to open mics, but don't go to open mics. Just come in. And the reason was like most of those people he knew were never going to really pursue comedy. Wow. And if they went to an open mic, they'd be shocked out of doing it. Yeah. But, you know, me and the people who were serious about it, we, we met each other, we went to mics and we went to this place. It was run by a, a, a kind of a company called Laughing Buddha. And it was in a room called the Climate Lounge. And it's where I met the people that I'm still incredibly tight with to this day. Um, and it was a lot like, you know, I didn't have anything to compare it to. You know, having been here in Chattanooga now three years I, and going all around the country, I see like it's almost the same everywhere. There's, there's the people who are hobbyists. There are the people who are really talented but have no work ethic. There are people who are all work ethic and no talent. <laughs> there's, you know, it's all the kind of the same. Yeah. But in a city where there's 5,000 comics, there's enough of every single chunk. But in, if, if you're in a city where there's only right. 30 comics and 5% of them are going to be the ones who don't care, that's a big chunk of people. But yeah, it was, uh, it was intimidating and it was exhilarating and, and exciting. And it was, it was um, I mean, it, it, it helped me, I think, really calibrate my goals. Like my first goal was, can the three people I like here know my name by the end of the month? Can they even know anything I'm doing? Could I be... Can they be aware of what I'm doing? Right. Because I'm aware of what they're doing, and I really like what they're doing. You know? Yeah. That was just goal one. It wasn't like, can I have five minutes? It was just like, can I do a couple of jokes that someone would, you know, take some interest in what I'm doing? And yeah, and just muddle through those probably about three a day. Three open mics a day? Yeah, two every to three day? every day. Yeah, every day. Yeah. Damn. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I mean, it's easy to look back now and say, yeah, I'd be jealous. But I mean, these were some of these were brutal, you know, brutal. Yeah. And yeah. in a way that's a different type of brutal than Chattanooga. Like it's very, very common in an open mic that every it'll only be comics. Right. The idea of that anybody coming to watch this may be on their on the Laughing Buddha Friday night, Saturday night, Thursday night, yeah. where, where they build it as a show. But it was really an open mic. You'd get some people. Right. But for the most part, nobody except comics who will leave the minute their set is over. Yeah. So if you're late on the lineup, if you're 17 out of 18 comics or no. 12, you're playing to three or four people. And Laughing Buddha actually 
there was a lot of things I didn't enjoy about how they ran things. But one of the things they did do was like they found ways of encouraging people to stay by raffling off a chip that lets you pick your spot on the next mic. And so they tried to have some mechanisms to keep people in the room. Like if you became someone that was frequently ditching, you'd be uninvited to come back. Um, But as you got more into it, you start to realize that that's actually also creating an artificial room. You know, like the goal is to be good enough to compel people to stay with what you're talking about. Not because they've been forced to. (laughs) Yeah. But the reality is in a city where you need to go and do your mic and then book your ass off across town so you can get that other three minutes, you know, um, and while all that's terrible uh, or challenging, I should say, it removes a lot of the people who just aren't going to be interested. Like, yeah. That's why there's fewer, I think, hobbyists there yeah. because you can't just stroll up and get on the mic. Like right. if you're not there at the time of the sign up, you're just not on it. Yeah. You know? I went to a mic in Oklahoma and, you know, starting in Nashville and here, you sign. I mean, you could sign sign up in the middle of the show and mm-hmm. still go up at some... Yeah, that would never happen. <laughs> I showed up to one in Oklahoma and thank God, you know, I, I'm just, I have it in my head to show up early. Mm-hmm. So I showed up 15 minutes early and they're like, all right, line up to sign up. <laughs> and I go up and I'm counting like how many people there are i'm like you know there's 15 people in front of me 30 behind me and i'm going up and i'm like this is weird that they're making us all like so i tapped the dude on the shoulder in front of me i was like hey uh just out of curiosity is it like a limited number he's like yeah 20 spots so you didn't even get on oh i got on okay because i guess there was that night there happened to be such a turnout that they put on five extra spots so i got on it like 23 or whatever but yeah i was not aware that any of like any mics had that because to me open mics were like yeah fucking maybe 15 comics will show up Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i didn't realize there was but in oklahoma city for hours there's nowhere else to go Mm. so everyone goes to oklahoma city for stand-up unless you go to tulsa Gotcha. So, yeah. I mean, you have everyone coming to that spot. And it's a pretty big city. But, yeah. Those were brutal. Yeah. They can, be, brutal. they can be brutal. And, you know, also like a parade of the mentally ill, you know, yeah. that will come in, you know. Oh, yeah. I did Bricktown, the open mic in Bricktown Comedy Club in Oklahoma City. And I did it twice. Both times, there was not more than 12 people in a bigger room than this. Oh, wow. And it, I mean, it yeah. was rough. It was fucking rough. But New York does make you really tough to some degree, you know. Yeah. In, in some ways and not in others. Like, there's a lot of things I didn't get exposed to in New York that I would get to ex- be exposed to here. Like, in, like what? Um, at least for the type of comedy I'm doing, I think more people are of my mindset in the audience in yeah. New York City than in Maryville. Right. You know, or Nashville. Right. Or... Alabama, or here even in Chattanooga, um, and doing longer sets. You know, I I was I left New York when the pandemic hit, so I guess at that point I was four years in, and I was just getting uh, ten to fifteen minute sets, mostly twelve, and a lot of times check spots. Now that seemed to be tracking with the other people that I. There's no. There's no school. There's no like rules yeah. to this. It doesn't mean you know, four years you get this, and two right, years right, you get right, this, right. and ten years you get this. But <laughs> you start to see like, are you running at least with the other people who seem to demonstrate a talent level or a work ethic or an ability set that's somewhat in your atmosphere? Right. If that makes sense. 
And so a lot of the people I ran with were getting it a little bit before me and some after me, but I was still pacing at having been in that city and grinding for a few years to, to get check spots, to get guest spots at clubs. Um, so the idea of getting a 20-minute set. Now, I mean, I'm seven years in now. Maybe that would have happened in New York anyway, but there's just... There's also the amount of comics that, that are looking for time. Like, it's a lot, of sh it's a lot more showcase shows. Yeah. So there isn't really a place to feature, you know? Um, like, even Gotham, like, on the weekends, it's a lot of showcase shows right. and stuff like that. So being in the South has let me do 20-minute sets, 30-minute sets. Um, and on stage, at least, it's knocked a lot of the arrogance out of me. <laughs> Off stage, no. <laughs> on stage, yes. I'm doing 45 this weekend, and I'm fucking terrified. Are you being serious? Yes. 45 minutes? I'm, yeah, I know. It's Wait, stupid. how long have you been doing it's this? stupid. I'm doing a, like a TikTok meetup. Oh, I, okay. The no, guy, I mean, how long have you been doing stand-up? Oh, how how long uh, now? A uh, year and two months. And you're doing a 45-minute set. <laughs> it's stupid. It's not a good idea. It's Well, good for you for trying. No, it's not good for me. What are you going to talk I'm about gonna, I'm going to blow through my fucking material in 15 minutes and then go, ah, all right, see ya. <laughs> I don't Wait, so what's know. happening in this? Uh, it's so his buddy is uh like a has a pretty good TikTok following, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I I don't know shit about TikTok okay. like at all, but he does these meetups and has like a bunch of fans come out and like it does a big festival kind of deal. Like he has concerts and people come out and play and you know hang out, get fucked up. Okay, and. Like I said, they're friends, and he watches a podcast. They do a podcast together, so he thinks I'm funny from the podcast and wants to see me do stand-up, and it's his thing, so he's like, you come up and do whatever time you want. Oh, so why'd you choose 45? Because I'm stupid. <laughs> Jesus. Well, here's the thing. is like I was going to try and find other comics to go with me, uh -huh. but... It's I never got an invite. Well, it's because it's I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's not paid. Uh-huh. It's in North Carolina uh -huh. and we're camping out. Uh-huh. So I didn't think anyone would want to agree to that. No. I mean, if you do. No. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, exactly. That's what it's I can't offer anything. Uh -huh. So I wouldn't even I wouldn't even invite anyone cuz right. I'm like you're you're going to drive to North Carolina to do stand up in front of people that don't really care and you're not getting yeah. paid. Organized by a guy who chose someone without having seen a 20 minute <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean he knows me kind of. I know, but being funny on <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Being funny in a sketch or being funny on a right. podcast or being funny on a two camera video. I'm not video. Even funny on here, so. Yeah. <laughs> Good moments. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other fact is, it's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that, wait, he talks too. Yeah, he's got. Oh my, oh my goodness! <laughs> we, well, why haven't we included him in this conversation? Up oh, it's just you and me. Oh. He's, he's just producing back there. He's okay. He's on the ones and twos. Okay, he's like, um, hit him, hit him with the ones and twos, dude. God, good timing. <laughs> Great timing. Just so like your Gary Delavate to Howard Stern. Yeah, I'm okay. not a big Stern guy. That's a that's gonna, that's a, that's I was a mistake. Gonna say uh, the Opie to my Anthony. Oh yeah, don't I've never listen. Yeah. <laughs> so you're more stern, less Opie and Anthony. Yeah, very much. <laughs> yeah, I grew up on Howard Stern, listening to him almost every single day. Yeah, I never. I was on the Howard Stern show. Are you serious? Yeah, when I was 18. For what? I was. <laughs> nothing's changed. I've been. I was running a protest at my college. <laughs> Uh, what was the protest? I was working on their college radio station, WHPC. We help people communicate. 88.5. And um, 
we got these, everyone who was an on-air personality got like a letter in the mail, in the mail, this is how long ago it was. Uh, a telegram was sent and um, a pigeon flew over. yeah it, yeah and um, uh, saying what we could and could not talk about on the radio and this radio station was at a community college so it's funded by taxpayer money and I was like I don't think you could tell people on the media what to say when you run the media when you when it's state run you can't you know yeah and because we were talking about things that were somewhat um uh, critical of school policy and also in the email in the letter was um, and we're also switching to a a light FM station so you have to play like easy listening music and you know I'd wanted to work in college radio since I was in high school like I had older friends always had older friends and I, they worked in college radio stations and I would go and shadow them and it was kind of a dream of mine and uh, you know only to realize later like being on the radio was like one step above clown on the entertainment <laughs> ladder. But uh, so I, I was forming this protest. And I, at the time, I was also working like at a real radio station, a commercial radio station. I was interning, I should say. And so someone knew someone who knew Howard Stern and told him that this kid at this community college was doing this protest. And I get a call from Gary Delabati, his producer, saying, hey, we'd love – Howard loves what you're doing. He'd love to talk to you for a bit. That's Can awesome. You call in. And it was only supposed to be like for five minutes. It was like 40 minutes. That, dude, and, that's awesome. But he tore me a new asshole for 40 oh, minutes. Oh, that's not awesome. <laughs> no, in, in, he didn't look, like you? No, it was so funny. He's like, first of all, you go to a community college. That's the first thing you should be protesting. You know? <laughs> he's like, it's like the 13th grade. You know? <laughs> and he's like, and also like the school was built where Charles Lindbergh had his like maiden flight. He's like, that school is so bad that Charles Lindbergh built a plane to fly away from <laughs> Like he had all these great, and he just destroyed me him and Robin, for like 45 minutes. And then at the very end, he hops on the phone. He's like, hey, if I agree with you, there's no show. Good luck. Bye. You know, and that was it. I'm just trying to help this kid out because his poor father must be banging his head against the wall. (laughs) His father probably had the same discussion with him. But it caused enough bad press for the school (laughs) that the school acquiesced and like met us halfway and gave us like day parts. So like half the day was like completely student run and organized and the other half was like, you know, management. That's crazy, dude. That's hilarious. And Howard Stern had a really good point. He's like, you're there at school to learn how to do radio. And there isn't a radio station in the country that lets you say or play what you want to say or play. Right. You know? And I was like, what about you? He was like, you can't be me. <laughs> you know? So, but it was great. He was being a character and it was amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, I guess I'm just, just too young for Howard Stern. I get it. Also didn't have like serious XM and. Like uh-huh. he swatched, he swatched, Switched. swapped over. Yeah, I think what twenty fourteen. That sounds right. I mean, I when I was listening to him, he was just on in New York, DC, yeah. and Philly. I only I found out about him because my dad bought a car, and for the first week it had Sirius oh, XM, yeah? uh-huh. and so <clears throat> I would just flip through the stations, and then I would I scrolled through and saw the Howard Stern show and started playing it, and Dad's like, turn that off. Oh, his interviews are great. I mean, he started as a I've I've job. watched many clips from it. I just don't. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not a big uh, Howard Stern guy. I'm I got not, you. Not really into him. I don't know anything about Opie and Anthony. So, oh, I'm not. I like the I like the Opie and Anthony clips from when they had comics on. That's the only. Okay. I don't. If it's just them, and they would have him in interviewing. Maybe? Oh yeah, they'd have Patrice O'Neill. Oh wow, have Rich Voss. You haven't seen like the. No. <laughs> oh, dude, there's you've got to check it out. There's like hours of clips of Patrice O'Neill and Rich Voss going at each other on there. 
Oh, cool. Bill Burr's been on there a bunch, like back in the day. Open Anthony was a great show as far as like listening to comedians talk. And where where was it housed? Where like where was it? Uh, it was just audio, right? Yeah, they had they had video later. No, that's the Jim and Sam show. Um, it was they eventually got syndicated like nationally. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the, but it was on Sirius. Yeah, it was on okay. Sirius. Yeah, cool, cool. And then I just always watch the clips because I love I love radio. I love talk radio. I know it sounds crazy, but I mean I like podcasts, and mm-hmm. to me podcasts are uh, not really that much different than talk radio. It's just more free. Yeah, I agree. I mean? Yeah, it's very similar. I enjoy that shit. Like I like the bonfire. Did you ever listen to that with Dan Soder and Big Jay Okerson? No. Nope. Do you listen to comedy? <laughs> no. What's comedy? <laughs> <laughs> who do you listen to? Like, what do you? Who Who do you consume? Uh, well, I mean, the, spe- you know, specials come out sporadically. I just saw the Shane Gillis special, which I thought was great. I love Louis C.K. Uh, if you just ask me comedians, I like yeah. you know. Um, but you don't listen to, like, anything outside of stand-up, like, podcasts? or I don't. I mean, a little like bit of Dana Dana Carvey and... Um, that one's good. Fly on the Wall. Fly on the Wall. Yeah. Uh, which I guess, you know, maybe because they're closer to my age, you know? Uh, but, I, yeah, I don't. And I, maybe I should, especially if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going on the road more, you know, than... Oh, if you're there. driving, definitely. Yeah, yeah you got to turn yeah. some on. Rick Glassman's a good one. You don't, Not even, like, Mark Maron? I love Mark. See, I was about yeah. to say, I feel like you're a huge Mark Maron guy. You yeah, I'm very, like a, I've been told that yeah. we have a similar outlook on the world. Well, yeah, Des- <laughs> decimal and <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just didn't spend years drinking. No, no, I could have been. I could have been somebody. If only I had developed a debilitating alcohol habit <laughs> or any habit. Yeah, any oh, I've habit. had. I got plenty of habits. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry, I'm sabotaging my success left and right. <laughs> Is it uh we'll cut this if it's not all right, but is it cool to talk about you going back to New York or I'm going back to New York? Okay, we'll cut it. <laughs> no, you can get I mean, um well I lo- the show that I run here, which is what brought me here and convinced me to stay here, is is ending on October twentieth. And so I don't really know what's next. Uh I I I love Chattanooga. I bought a home here. You know, I chose to make it my home. It's it's helped me grow as a comic and maybe even a little bit as a person probably not but maybe <laughs> i like to think it has um but i get frustrated with what i i and i and maybe it's a lack of taking responsibility for my own uh harder work that i m- might need to put in but i feel like there's a bit of a ceiling in terms of what i can try to to move closer to the goal that i that i want yeah just because of just the amount of venues that are here the shows right. that run you know uh, the amount of people, like, and, I, and I'm not trying to replicate New York, but like in a city like New York, which is really the only thing I have to compare it to in terms of a place I lived in did yeah. comedy, there are so many people at all different levels working as hard as they can, or very hard at least, that hone, that hone you. You rub up against them and, and you get right. sharper as well. And so I'd like to take some of what I've learned down here in doing longer sets and learning how to maybe be a little bit more relatable than I was before I got here and bring it back out to places where it, it might be enjoyed a little bit more. You know, I struggle and I, you know, it's hard to know. It's like, am I just not a good enough comedian? You know, like, but like, I think I have good jokes and I think I've got some decent performance chops. I think you're doing all right. (laughs) 
but it's not always met, you know, like, and maybe this will happen everywhere to anyone. I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not being like, oh, fuck Chattanooga, but like, I'll do a set even in this room. And then the guy after me will do seven minutes about farting in a jar. Yeah. And it's, and it's met with thunderous applause. Now, listen, I worked in advertising. I'm not surprised that something baseline will generate more interest from the right. mass. Get it. But it, I felt like in New York there were rooms where it was there was an appetite for it, you know, or an intelligence in the crowd. All right, that well, there you go. That's, <laughs> that's, I'll, I'll say, say what that. you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for. I'll you know, say what you want yeah, to say. You know, the, the, guy, the crowds are more intelligent. Is yeah. what you're trying to say. Yeah. yeah, but the reality of the world is to move through this comedy terrain, you have to go through more rooms of less intellectually curious people than right. that. And so anyway, I bring it all up because less intellectually curious is such a diplomatic fucking right. way to say <laughs> stupid people. <laughs> yeah. Uh and so, you know, I'm not tethered here by the show or and there's a job that I might be getting. I don't know if I have it yet. But if I have it, I'd have some economic stability that I haven't had in eleven years because I've been right. a freelancer for eleven years. So whenever I make a, a bucket of money, I can't really do anything with it because I don't know how long it's going to be until I yeah. work again. So I never really travel unless it's for comedy. Right. Uh, I kind of, you know, you know, I'm not living like a pauper, but like I don't do much. Yeah. And like, oh, if I get this job and I don't have the show, I'm thinking I might try to find uh, someone who might want to like, you know, rent out my bedroom for a couple of months while I go somewhere else for a couple of months. Right. So I don't think I would leave Chattanooga. I think I would just... And it might make me appreciate it more if I come back every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, and I've also learned by going to New York and not being there all the time, I've I've had a warmer reception. Like people put me up because I'm not I'm not there all the time. I'm only there for two weeks, so people hook me up. And hopefully that might maybe I can make something like that happen in L.A. and in Denver or Austin. Yeah. I, I don't know. I I have no game plan. Yeah, but you're <laughs> you you're free right now. Like you have the ability to just choose where what city you want to go. If to. I get the job and if people will put me up on stage. So Right. But you know, I got into this whole thing with no roadmap, so I figure it's time to not have the the roadmap again and yeah. figure out what comes next. I'm I'm scared because I, and it's also going to be scary to see how many shows I don't get booked on if I don't have a show. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to be realistic about how some of this game is played. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm uh, realizing that. Quite a bit. <laughs> um, we'll any, cut. We'll, any thoughts? We'll cut out dead air, dude. Don't oh, worry about it. We're cutting out. You could just. Yeah, it's gonna be edited. It's not live. It's not. No, I, I understand that. <laughs> but I mean, if it's video, oh, is it only audio? It's video and That's, audio. So how would you do the cut? Oh, you just cut to like you and then. No, we just cut the dead space. Oh. Yeah, but won't you see a jump in the video? Well, I mean, I smoothed it out with cameras. Usually, He's right before I, shit. before right. you have a jump, I'll have it on one camera so it looks like it just comes back to both of y'all okay. sitting there. Yeah, and like, and like, but pretty soon, like, you could just deep fake this. You don't even need to get someone. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. Right. Wait, are you real? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. He's not. No, I've. Well, the other one wasn't. Wait. Yeah. The other, well, the other one died. Yeah. Oh, by the way, sorry. Very sorry for your loss. I mean, they already know that I killed him. They watched it happen, so. You know. Well, it's still a loss, even if you've created it. Yeah. Is it, though? Mm-hmm. Is it a loss or a gain? You know? Hmm. That's philosophically deep. <laughs> That's the intellectual curiosity I've been so desperately lacking. <laughs> sure, it was a uh, loss of life, but it was a gain in experience because I got to suffocate a man. Mm. So 
That's a rush. Yeah, it was sure. fun. And I got to drag his body and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bleach? No, no, bleach, just uh just pigs. We do it different down here in the south. Just pigs? What do you mean? Yeah, you take their teeth out, you get, feed them to the pigs, you chop their uh ligaments up into smaller chunks and throw it in a pig pen. You know, <laughs> maybe the Torah had something right when they said don't eat swine. Yeah, I I <laughs> I crouch with Israel. <laughs> They might have been on to something, dude. I mean, granted, pig tastes amazing, but filthy, how, filthy how, fucking animals. Uh, Yeah, but really smart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a pet pig. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. No, you don't. I swear to God. In Chattanooga? Yeah. In your home? Yes. No, well, not don't. in my home. Outside, he stays in the yard. I have a little pig. And you play with him? I don't play with him. Well, then how is it a pet? Well, I guess he's not a pet. It's I a have future a, meal? I have a pig that lives on my house is it a future meal word. no no it's like a pot belly pig what do you what do you do with it you walk it no, no, no he just hangs out there and so what kind of relationship do you have with the pig well it used to be a better relationship when i had more time with him oh comment down the way well <laughs> it was long before that, that i had abandoned the pig but <laughs> he's boring he sucks he doesn't do any tricks um they can do puzzles and stuff <laughs> oh he can he, i used to he used to know how to sit he used to sit uh-huh. but then he got super fat uh-huh. And like fat went over his eyes, oh. and uh, then he became an asshole, uh-huh. and he started growing tusks. Uh-huh. This is gonna make me a horrible person. What? Then the tusks kept growing, uh-huh. and they grew back into his cheeks. Uh-huh. And uh, so now You're like he a just... mutilated pig on your land. Why, why don't you just eat it at this point? Then <laughs> he's not gonna be good to eat. Why he's fat? That's not how that works. Oh. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, we have been feeding him sweet molasses. Have like, you given him Oreos? Because no, uh, never you might him. want to try it. He's been on a healthy diet, actually. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, for a pig, uh-huh. you know, it's pig food. Uh-huh. And then How old eats. is the pig? Oh, shit. <laughs> Ten years? I don't think you've been good to this pig. I don't think so either. <laughs> you don't even know how oh, old he is. I, when, it, when, he goes, when he comes out of his little house that he has, uh-huh. I, I immediately feel horrible. Like mm-hmm. I feel like a bad person. Uh-huh. Why don't you just can't you get it, someone to adopt him? How much do you pay to feed him each week i mean it's not each week it's like a a big 50 pound bag of feed for 20 bucks is he by himself does he have friends Once a month no it's just him he's in the garden it sounds like a terrible life just yeah he doesn't have a good life well, oh i do feel bad about like i said this is gonna make me seem like a horrible person um i don't feel good about it yeah <laughs> how the fuck were we talking about pigs why did i bring you up you said you had a pet, pet pig, pig. <laughs> Do you have any other pets? Yeah, I got a, I got a dog, Charlie. Do you know how old boxer. that one is? Uh, two. He'll be two in December, okay. and then I got a cat. These are technically my mom's pets, though. Okay. Except for the pig. The pig is technically mine, but didn't go with you to Oklahoma though. Left the pig. No, 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 no. I'm a horrible pet owner. Yeah, you sound like you have. This pig is probably suffering. From are they? Well, shit. is it my fault or is it like lasting? Because they're kind of. The pig is kind of a lasting pet from when I was a kid because it is 10 years ago. So I was 15. I lost my granddad and I was like, and my dog, my childhood dog that was 13 years old. We put him down three days after I buried my granddad. I'm sorry. So I was like, I want a pig. Uh (laughs) Yeah. That may have been an impulse pig. It it was a bit of an impulse pig. Yeah. 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 And that was on my parents not registering that. So Hmm. maybe it's not my fault. Any way to deflect blame. I've, I that's I, that's what I'm yeah. learning in life. Apparently, is the best way to go through life is just deflect blame yeah. on anybody else. How old are you? 25. 25, yeah. yeah. You got like 
This is like the last year you can blame your parents for anything. All right, cool. So I'd I, I get it all in now. I'm going to milk this yeah, shit out. Yeah, I think you should. I'm going to tell them everything they <laughs> fucked up about me. <laughs> yeah, I think 25 is the legal cutoff. 26 is when you get cut off insurance. Oh, I don't so, know, maybe you have another year. Are you still a child at 26? <laughs> I've met people who are children at 30. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I met a 40-year-old child last night that I called a cunt to her face. <laughs> oh, wh- wh- where? We went, uh, me, Patrick, and Nate went playing a pool at Diamonds. We were having a good time. I, I, we literally just told the story with oh, Patrick. Don't tell. I mean. Well, I'll just i tell you real quick. Anyways, this chick came up. She's an energy vampire. She's a horrible person. She wanted to play with us. Patrick's a nice person. Nate's nice. I'm not, so I kept my mouth shut. They let her play. She asked our names, and then we asked her name, and she said bananas. And then she asked all our age, and then Patrick goes, how old are you? And then she goes, you don't like me. You hate me. She's just a fucking cunt, dude. And so, like... You know, people say that that gay men are con- trying to convert straight men, but I think it's women who convert. <laughs> I, dude, men I think you're onto something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Women suck sometimes. Well, I'm not gonna go on. That. No, <laughs> no. But if they didn't talk, I think I could be straight. Um, how much can you cut? Can I pee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah. Hundred percent. Right, go ahead. Don't say anything bad about. It. <laughs> Is this going as well as others? Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Are you nervous about it? <laughs> no, I'm really not nervous about anything anymore. You shouldn't be nervous about this. No one watches it. <laughs> well, you never know. This is this could be the one that blows up. I thought Justin Smith was going to get bigger traction, but... You tagged him and everything? Yeah. And hashtags for Nashville and all the other shit? Hmm. It is what it is. It takes time. I mean, I'm not worried about you it. You have to have someone, like, confess to a murder or something on here. What, the shorts? Oh, yeah, the shorts. Yeah, the clips. On YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. Tens of thousands? Uh, Yeah, we got a couple that are 12,000 and 10,000. With Justin? Oh, no, not with Justin, no. The Justin ones only did like three to 5,000. Oh, something oh. Like that. that's surprising. I really enjoy him. Yeah, I do too. I don't understand how people don't know him more. I oh, I got to talk to Nick Murphy. I'll oh, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. Do that. Yeah, I want to get him on. Nick's He's fucking hilarious. Nick's the best. He's so funny. I haven't even met him. I need to go down to Atlanta. I haven't done yeah. any mics in Atlanta. You should. You should sign up for the Laughing Skull mic. It takes a bit yeah. to get on it, but once you get on it, it's it's really quality. Yeah, I need to go there. I guess I need to I need to really tighten down on what I think are my best. What's my best five minutes? Yeah, I think it's great that that's something that you even are aware of. Like this, you know, um, it's such a foundational block. Yeah. Oh, I mean. I don't understand. I don't understand people that will have a good joke, and then they'll never tell it again, and they'll never do anything else with it. Yeah, it's confusing. I mean, you see a lot. Um, again, I think, I, th- I think having started in New York, where so many people are serious about it, that they've at least listened to some podcasts or read books right. or listened to interviews with the people that they admire, because everyone's got a different style, and there's yeah. no right way or wrong way to do this. But generally, the people that I think you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody who's got legitimate, sustained success. I don't mean like a TikTok sensation. Yeah, you know? yeah. But someone who's had like longevity and, and has you know put out stuff that's like artistically admirable and people enjoy, they all say they worked their ass off. They did right. as many mics as they could. Yeah. They worked on a five-minute set and then built on, built on that because the five-minute set you know teaches you a, t- a real tight five where you get like 
30 laughs in five minutes, let's say yeah. around there, where it's joke and tag and joke and joke and joke, just to show that you could do it so that you can pare a joke down to its simplest bits, yeah. pieces, and then, you know, it helps you then do the 10 and the 15 and the 20 and the 30 and right, the right. stuff, you know, and if you don't work on that, I guess you're kind of building on sand. I mean, I see a lot of people who are, it's a tough one because like, you know, if you're offered 15 minutes, should you do it if you only right. have five? Like you're yeah. talking about doing 45, like... There's an element of like, well, I can grow. You only grow if you, if you swing two bats, if you swing three bats, if you say yes to something you're not ready for is the right. only way that you grow. But like there's increments, yeah. you know, and going yeah. from not having five to doing 15 or 20, right. I think, I mean, for me, it would set me up for failure. I, I feel like if I had attempted that, if I had tried that way, if there weren't people in place like the gatekeepers, better or for worse, at the clubs who were like, I want to see five minutes, I want to see you get this many laughs, then I want you to come back the next week with a different five, same amount or more laughs. If right. that wasn't some barrier to get in, I I would have flailed around. Yeah. I wouldn't have had anything to even really aim for, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are lacking in the local scene here is like the lack of structure, the lack of knowing what is needed for you to start. Yeah, and again, there's no rules to any of this. Right. Um if you have your own way of doing something and it's an actual something that you've you know codified, right? But I don't think that's really what's happening. I think there's a lot of people who are just, you know, I remember when I, my, I used to play chess with my grandpa. I'd be like, "Do you want to play chess?" He'd be like, "Well, you don't really play chess. You just move the pieces around." <laughs> you know, back then. That's a good. Point. And I was like, "Ah, there's a lot of people just kind of moving the pieces around. There's right. no real, you know, um, it's a work ethic. Even if it's just your own, that's unique to you. You know. See, I feel like I'm doing that." I have the worst imposter syndrome ever. Like, I never feel like I should be doing any of this. Well, that means you're probably onto something. Because <laughs> it's always the people who have zero talent who have the most uh, 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 confidence yeah. <laughs> I've ever seen. Yes. If I had some of the confidence that some of these people had, man, I tell you, I'd be booked on all these fucking shows. Confidence is a big part of it. I struggle with it, you know. Even I have none of it. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's hard, and a lot of it is faking it, and then you have yeah. it, you know. Yeah. Like um, I did the Star Bar in uh, Atlanta, and Rotney. I don't know if it's it's a legendary showcase that goes on on Monday nights at the Star Bar, and uh, and I was talking with Nick Murphy a little bit about this, and you know, just getting on it is 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 challenging. And then he asked me one day to close it out. So I think everybody does. I think every, I'm trying to really remember. It might be somewhere like, you know, six to 10 minutes. But if you close it, I think you do like 20 oh, okay. or at least 18. It's been a bit since I've done it. Um, and, uh, you know, you're looking at it into the room and it's like all these comics from Atlanta who I have a great deal of respect for. And uh, I think I got a little bit in audition mode. Like I wasn't just the way I was in a room where I'm right. like, you know, and at the end of it, Rotney, who's been running the show for, you know, over, over a decade, he's like, I've seen everybody come and go. Do you want some feedback? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you've got the writing and you've got the ability to perform. It's like, I think what's holding you back is you don't believe you deserve to be here. And that's a, he read me like Hannibal Lecter. Like he looked at my shoes and he understood my life, you know. And I was like, yeah, I think there's a part of that. And he's like, there's definitely a part of that. And he's like, I think if you were to lose that, you'd be able to, he's like, you're good. Good is good. Some people don't even get to be good. He's yeah. like, but good isn't going to get you anywhere. Right. Good is, all right, you're good. Yeah. 
you got to be great. And he thought I might have the potential for that if I could. One of the things keeping me from it would be learning to accept that that's where I belong. Who knows? Maybe there's 10 other things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But I understand the, like, uh, the imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard. Like, it's real hard to work through it, especially when people, like, try and offer you spots and stuff. Or, <clears throat> or even sometimes, like, I have contradictory thoughts where I'm like, well, why am, why am I not on this showcase? Or why didn't I get booked on this show? Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, I'm like, well, I don't even deserve to be doing a fucking open mic. So, well, you certainly deserve to be doing an open. I mean, anybody does. Oh, so yeah, I don't yeah. want to. I mean, but yeah, like you're working really hard, and people notice it, and you're doing good stuff, and you know, um, there's a million reasons why you're not booked. I mean, I go through those things too. I'll yeah. see shows. I'm like, how yeah. come I haven't been asked even here locally? And then, and there's a whole other political thing of like, did they not ask because I didn't ask? Right, right. I didn't ask because either. See, I'm, I'm I'm too worried to even, which I'm probably going to eventually but to start my own showcase or open mic because it's just the fucking I think you, I think you should because it truly brings out the worst in people. Yeah, I, think you I should. mean it dude it's horrible. Like they're like why didn't this person book me on this or they didn't book me on this cuz they don't like this or whatever. But you have like, to understand I mean it's helpful to understand. You don't have to do anything, but it's helpful to understand that there's some of it is personal and some of it isn't. Some of yeah. it is just the shows are booked. The shows have too many people who have a tone of voice like yours or, right. or look like you or right. have the same kind of background as you. Sometimes that brokerage doesn't like your jokes yeah. or they really do like your jokes, but you know what? They, they've, they can only put so many comedians who've been doing it who aren't seasoned, right. you know, or they have other people that they find risky. Right. Like I've been in that situation. I'm like, I like everybody on my lineup, but there's a couple of people on this lineup that I don't know if the audience will like them. So I have to make sure they're anchored by people. I'm like, well, these are, crowd favorites like everyone's gonna like these guys so that everybody has a good time and gets exposed to some stuff that might not be their cup of tea yeah i mean i was nervous about doing your show when you you did really well yeah i was surprised honestly (laughs) i didn't think they were gonna like me no they did they liked you yeah that was that was fun i'm glad i'm glad you got to do it before it was done (laughs) yeah 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 i hate that i'm missing that last one i didn't yeah if i had known it was gonna be the last one i might not have Signed up to torture myself, but oh, I only found out it was the last one a couple of days ago. Oh, really? uh, yesterday, you wait, yeah. Oh, really? Yesterday, I found out. <laughs> well, yesterday I decided. I mean, the venue's great. You know, we were at the hotel for yeah. for years, for two years until it was sold, and then we bounced over to Humanot, which was great because Humanot's the company that brought me down to Chattanooga. But Humanot, from the beginning, it wasn't going to be a long term play. It was like, hey, we're, we'll help you until you can find another yeah. place. And then the Grand Falloon came along, and it, it was great. They loved it. Everyone loved it. The audiences, the feedback I got was that it was one of their favorite places that they've had, we've had the show so far. But, um, you know, the deal we always had was that the venue, you know, they were just taking what they would take in drinks, and I kept the rest. Right. Uh, with the understanding that if they had it booked for a wedding or something, I would have to, like, give up the show that night. And weddings don't really happen on Friday nights, so it was a pretty safe yeah. relationship. But the way their scheduling worked out is all of December would have been off the table. Oh. And uh, at least one of the two November shows would have been off the table. And we just had to give up the first October show. And we were hitting the three-year mark. And I thought it was just a good, clean way of ending yeah. it. It was a good touch point to make it to three years and have it be the festival. Well, like you said in your post, it was supposed to be, what, a three-month? Three-month, yeah. Three-month <laughs> and it's been three years. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd the say that's a good I, yeah. run. When I came down and took the place at the hotel... I was like, hey, can I rent that that apartment 
with the with the understanding that the other room will be for comics that I'm going to do or sh- have on a show in your lobby. And they were, it was like COVID. So they're like, yeah, whatever you want, man. You can do it for three months. <laughs> You're paying us, sure. Yeah, they were, no like, one's staying they were like, if you think this is what you want to do, sure. <laughs> and like I bought a sound system and I you know, put some stuff. I'm like, oh, this will be three months and I guess I'll go back to New York. But And back then, the audience was capped at 20 people right. and they had to be distanced. Yeah. And then it kind of... How was that doing? Because obviously I started after COVID and all that, but how was doing shows during that? Well, it was a lot of different type stuff. I mean, I, I was still in New York at the beginning of it, so yeah. I did some Zoom things, and they were mostly terrible, except for two that were done incredibly well. Well, how? Okay, tell me what makes a good Zoom comedy show. Okay. Well, one of them that was amazing. Because they're all awful. In yeah. My <laughs> I haven't seen a good one. Either. One of them that was really amazing. Uh, it was amazing for a bunch of reasons. Uh, it was, um, it was raising money for a, a, to get um, people in in jail out during COVID. People who oh, had not been convicted yet. They were just waiting for their hearings uh, or give them some safe place to be. And so there was an audience watching. And the people who ran it were really smart. They had somebody dedicated to being uh, kind of like a camera switcher. Okay. And, uh, and so the audience was on Zoom too. And like, so I'll give you an example. At one point, there was somebody, um, one of the comedians also did music, and I forgot his name, he's a Brooklyn comic, and he had this bit he does about lost, a lost cat poster that he puts up, and he does a song about the lost cat poster. And so he's doing the song, and while that's happening, people in the audience are going around their apartments, grabbing their cats and bringing them <laughs> onto, the, onto the camera, yeah. but because there's a camera operator watching it, he starts pinning those people That's and people see that so people start grabbing their dogs and now it's become this impromptu music video cutting between the musician comic and the audience with their cats and dogs that's cool and doing things like that and then they'd have like a random thing in the middle where it was like hey go find something in your house that rhymes with mushroom you know or bone and anyone who does will get like a five dollar venmo like they did things to keep the audience engaged and to make the audience part of the show and the other one that i did that was really good was they knew your. They knew enough of your material that they did it more like a sit down. It was more like a talk show. Oh, uh, okay. Where they would tee you up to be like, "Oh, Jeff, you know, um, did you have your high school reunion recently?" You run a bit. Yes, and then you could run your bits, That's and cool. so it didn't. It wasn't you just standing in your apartment doing stand up with a hairbrush right. or whatever, you know. So those. Is that are what the, you did for some of them? No. Like, oh, well, no, I just did them to camera, and I stopped doing them after two, and then uh, I did live ones in the park, uh, yeah. and then I did one on my balcony at my apartment so everyone came out from their windows and listened to it we did that and we we um live streamed it at least that you have feedback for oh yeah the zoom calls it's like yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah and nothing you're just like and all right and i now i'll tell you the next one yeah it was it was very rough and i remember one show the last show i think we we closed out stand-up new york on the upper west side it was me and meno fernandez i think nick Talelli was there too they let us come to the club, but there was no audience. They just had cameras in the audience, and they live-streamed it from Stand Up New York. Um, and that was an interesting experiment, yeah. but like, there was no, no feedback. You would yeah. just do your stand-up on stage with a microphone God. to zero audience. So brutal. So brutal, dude. I, couldn't, I literally couldn't <laughs> do it. I, I would have I stopped. I, I'm glad I wasn't doing stand-up before or during the pandemic because if I got asked to do a Zoom call... 
I would have embarrassed myself. There's I'd people just... still doing them now, I think. Yeah. I mean, I know there's like, there's a huge VR chat open mic community. Oh, Did really? You know that? Yeah. No. So they like, so you know about VR, how you can hang out in it. Yeah, sure. And, you know, you see everybody. So you can be in like a bar or a club or whatever. So they'll go into a bar or a comedy club, have it set up like that, and they'll have a person go up and do five minutes. And then that's, you know. Can you hear the other people laughing? Yeah, yeah, because you can, you can always hear people talking. And then I guess they agreed to, like, stay quiet and only laugh at the jokes. And have stuff. you been in one of these? No, no, I don't have VR. I've just heard about heard people talking about it and stuff. What what? What problem is this solving for? <laughs> uh, social anxiety, people that don't want to, you know. I mean, judging from the audience I had the other night, I think more people should stay home. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. I, like, even even watching, like, watching a video of stand-up that was recorded with live people is so much different than actually being sure. Yeah. It's an energy show. of yeah. being in the room. Yeah. And I just don't think you can get that any other way without physically being in the room. I know, but I mean, with, if technology advances a little bit more and, and, and we give people more drugs, uh, I think you'll be able to, uh, recreate yeah, the horrors of this reality at home. Give them the drugs to where they dull the senses to where they don't feel that energy anyways. And then there's, yeah, no I mean, the matrix is coming. <laughs> yeah coming we're in it yeah we're about to double up the matrix it's about to be matrix inception oh possibly. we're gonna put ourselves into matrix even though we're already in one true that's i've what that's I what i think yeah <laughs> yeah oh man i think uh virtual reality is a real abandonment of the responsibility of this reality so i'm pretty against it <laughs> but you know i'm old it's not yeah. the future's not for me it's i'm for not you. i i hate virtual reality uh -huh. like i i truly do i hate i'm not in if it wasn't for comedy, I, I didn't have a Facebook. I didn't. Mm. I deleted my Instagram. I didn't have any social media. I remade except these. MySpace. Well, I know <laughs> I had them, uh -huh. and then I like at eighteen, I was like, I don't want any of this, and I deleted it all. I think that's really healthy. Yeah, but now I'm back on it, and now it's all I fucking do. It's, it's really hard if you're trying to do stand up and get yourself out there to not have that presence. Oh, it's impossible. Yeah, I think it would be, yeah, very very hard. I mean, unless you're undeniably talented a savant a savant yeah. in a city where there's enough people who yeah if i was david up. tell reincarnate <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe i could but no you can't you can't do comedy without social media nowadays yeah. and i'm almost afraid of like what it's going to turn into well we see what it's turned into i mean what i'm seeing no, uh, i mean uh, going to well rarely do things get better <laughs> Great, great outlook, Jeff. <laughs> I mean, when have you seen things get better? What's the thing that's gotten better? I mean, I'd like, what's the thing that's, that's gotten better? Maybe I'm too mired in my own negativity. There you go. God damn it. Why do you have to be right, dude? <laughs> I mean, technology's gotten better, but that's about it. Uh, okay, yeah, technology's got, gotten better, but Faster. like what, what means, like what end is it a means for? Right. No, I, I uh, sadly agree with you. I yeah, I mean, I'm right. a real, you know, I, I read somewhere that a, uh, a pessimist is just an optimist with high standards. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, 
When I went to Facebook, I, I really drank the Kool-Aid. I really, really believed it was going to make the world a better place. And I was so naive and so completely unaware of like, if you gave all these things, all these tools that we were trying to create, if they were put in the hands of bad actors with no real consequences, how terrible it would be and is. And is turning. Into it, yeah. <laughs> I think it's really removed people's ability to... And it's not just social media, but texting also. I think a, I think people have lost a connection between their uh, emotions and their language and their vocabulary. So they don't have words to diffuse difficult situations or negotiate for a job or advocate for their rights or deal with a... That's why people ghost. And they ghost not just in romantic relationships, but in... They just check yeah. out. Yeah. They Quiet quitting. Yeah. Like not being able to speak up and advocate for yourself and have difficult conversations. It's hard when you've been flattened to eggplants no, and happy faces. No, you're 100% right. And, I mean, I struggle with it. Yeah. And nobody wants to talk on the phone, you know? So uh, uh, nuance is kind of gone. So you're reduced to like just facts and and I think it's it's hurt people's ability to, to communicate. I think you're a bit about... Zuck wanting to turn everyone into him is right. Oh, I'm still working on that. Yeah, I mean, it's really made people have characteristics that resemble autism. Yeah. And then I think some of them just say they're autistic Yeah, because they've diagnosed themselves from TikTok right, right. rather than actually <laughs> right. seeing a professional. Oh, yeah. And even if you see a professional, half of them will just say you're whatever you want to be so you can get the prescription yeah. that you need to get. Because they make money yeah. off of every yeah. prescription they write. So, I mean... Ultimately, I think we can all agree it's the vaccines that made everybody <laughs> this way. <laughs> yeah, and that's why we're uh, promoting Robert F. Kennedy. For oh, is he your man? <laughs> <laughs> He's a vax guy, Robert Frog Voice Kennedy. The one Kennedy they can't shoot. Wow. <laughs> Didn't you see he made like this big thing about leaving the Democratic Party now? Yeah, and... Uh, uh, and Trump is going to leave the Republican Party. Oh, are they? Oh, yeah. They're going to be running mates, dude. I see. That would be doing. wild. I see what they're. I doing. still maintain only Hunter Biden can beat them all. <laughs> Michelle Obama. And no, Hunter. Hunter Biden. You need a fucking crackhead. <laughs> Just a crackhead. A crackhead because it's it's WWF, and you need a crazy character. And also, he can get both sides of the vote because who's who's hurt Joe more than Hunter? <laughs> if you hate Joe Biden, is a vote for Hunter? You <laughs> know. Oh, shit. Well, who's his running mate? Oh, Trump. <laughs> Trump and Crackhead Hunter? Yeah. Yeah. It's a race to the bottom. <laughs> it's what this country deserves. It is kind of what we've given ourselves. Generational, generation after generation, just not giving a shit and checking a box. Yeah. Yeah, I heard this guy sounds better. <laughs> That's what it is. Man. Well, thanks for... We're done? Uh, that, yeah. We're ending yeah. on that note? Thanks, thanks for the uplifting. Oh. <laughs> I mean, what did you expect? Oh, man. I was trying to... I thought I could bring some light into your world. You're too dark. <laughs> oh, no. This, this... I'm just messing with you. Oh, now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be sad. I'm just... Damn it. Now I fucked it up. No, I'm, I'm, I'm as sad as I was when I came here. How's that? All right, good. You as haven't affected as... me at all. All right, cool. <laughs> If you leave even, I'm good with it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm even. Well, cool. Thanks for coming on. Can I plug something? Yeah, plug anything. Everything. Why do you think I came here? Yeah, no, plug sorry. everything. <laughs> um, 
Well, there's the last Carpetbagger show. This Ever. Will, uh, this will be out after. Oh. Well, you've missed the last Carpetbagger <laughs> show. Ever. Uh, it was on October 20th, and it was a sold-out success. It was great. Uh, yeah, I was surprised by that thing that you did. But yeah, yeah. Dave Chappelle dropped in. Yo, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's all right. <laughs> you know, we gave him a few minutes, and you know, he struggled a little bit, but he 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 pulled it back. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, just go to uh, thatguyimet.com. That's my website to follow me on my socials. And thanks for having me here. Awesome, dude. Thatguyimet.com. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks. Bye.